Well, what's up, Element Church? So glad that all of you are here with us today. That includes anyone who's joining us on video. So if you're using Facebook Live or our new live dot element church, wy.com, a live church platform. Click the share button on there. It's a great way to let other people know about what God's doing right here at Element Church. If you're new here, uh, my name's Jeff Manis, lead pastor here at Element. Just so thankful that you've chosen to be our guest today as we are in week number two of a four-week sermon series called Confessions of a Pastor. And the goal of this series is just to be honest with you about some struggles that I have in my own life in the hopes that maybe It will help you overcome some struggles in yours because the reality is we all have struggles, right? All of us do. And perhaps uh, we can see some of our struggles and notice that that other people have similar struggles as well. And so each week I'm sharing a specific confession with you. Last week we talked about how I don't always feel like a Christian. So what do you do when you believe, but you don't feel saved? That's what we talked about last week. If you want to catch up on messages or share one with somebody, you can do that on our website, elementchurchwy.com, or on our iTunes podcast. Just look up Element Church WY, and you can share or listen to messages from there. Today is confession number two, and it's this. I teased this last week if you were here. I've wanted to quit being a pastor on more than one occasion, even here at Element Church. Now, I know that today in this room or listening online, there's only a few of us who are actually pastors by vocation. There's actually probably, most likely in this service, some of us who aren't even Christians. And if that's you, by the way, we are thrilled that you are with us today. But whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're a pastor or not, if you've lived life long enough, you've come to a place where you were ready to throw in the towel, ready to call it quits, ready to do anything else, something else with your life, or perhaps you've even come to the place where you were ready to end your life altogether. We're jumping in the deep end today right off the bat. Normally, I'd kind of give a funny story or a clever illustration, but today we're diving right in. I hope that's okay. It's going to get deep real quick today. Now, this sermon is not about suicide, but I would be, I think, remiss as your pastor doing you a disservice if we talked about wanting to give up but didn't address this very real issue that many people have. I myself have never had thoughts or struggles with ending my own life, but it's a very real issue for lots of people. In fact, even for Christians in the church, the thoughts of suicide are a very real struggle. And so in preparation to kind of talk about this, the top of the sermon here, I just read some statistics about suicide. And I don't know if you've ever done that or not, but they're heartbreaking and overwhelming to look at the statistics of suicide in our country and in our state. Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States among youth It's the third leading cause of death. Wyoming, per capita, has the second most suicides of any state in our entire country, right here in our own state. There are 2,370 suicide attempts a day. 105 of them are what we call successful, although I think we should change that terminology (laughs) because I don't view it as a success when someone takes their life. So if you're here today, and you are struggling with or have thoughts about ending your life, I just want you to know that you're not alone. And when I say that, I'm talking about 
more than the fact that you are here among people who love you and who are with you, more than the fact that there's probably someone else in this room having thoughts about suicide as well. I'm going deeper than that. I'm talking about the Bible, like people like Elijah in the Bible, one of the greatest prophets of all the Old Testament, a hero of the faith, sat under a tree and begged God to let him die. Job, when he faced insurmountable, impossible situations in life, he actually said out loud, it would be better if I had never been born. I wish I were dead. Jeremiah, another Old Testament prophet, hero of the faith, he also said it would have been better if I was never born. He questioned that it was better to be dead than alive. Jonah, the prophet, was so angry that he too sat under a tree and actually prayed, God, would you take my life? It's better to be dead than alive. Now, none of them followed through with those thoughts, but all of them struggled with thoughts of ending their life. And they're considered heroes in the Bible. Now, I'm not gonna tell you, I won't tell you that you shouldn't feel that way because suicide is a very real thought and a very real feeling, okay? But here's what I am going to do. I cannot tell you not to feel that way, but what I can do is give you what I believe to be a word from the Lord for someone today. I know for probably the majority of the room, this is not relevant to you, but for someone, it might be a life-changing thing, okay? And so as I sat down this week to literally type out, I don't type like this, but to type out <laughs> what I was gonna say, I just paused before I wrote out this subject matter and just asked God, God, what do you want people who are struggling with suicidal thoughts, what do you want people to hear? What do you want them to know? And as I just paused and let God kind of speak to me, I, I kind of came to this conclusion that while there might be a number of different reasons people take their life, when you boil it all down to a common thread, I think what you'll find is they truly believe they have no value left on this planet. So it's better to be dead than alive. And as I was thinking that thought, God reminded me of something he said to Daniel in the Old Testament book of Daniel. The Old Testament is, is the first book, Genesis, through the 39th book, Malachi, and somewhere right, right kind of about three quarters of the way through is Daniel. And God sends an angel to Daniel to tell him some encouraging words. I don't know who this is for, but I believe this is for someone today. So here's what God said to Daniel through an angel in Daniel 10, verse 19. Don't be afraid, he said, for you are very precious to God. Peace, be encouraged, be strong. As he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger and said to him, please speak to me, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. And for someone here today, you need to hear that you are very precious to God. Last week, we talked about how God says to us, you are my masterpiece. And I hope today that for whoever that was for, just hearing those words might strengthen you. Enough to get through today. And then maybe you'll hear them again tomorrow and the next day and the next day after that. And please, if you need to talk to someone about this, please let someone know. Talk to me in the lobby. 
Talk to one of our staff members, a prayer team member at the purple tent in the back of the room when we're done. Or there is a phenomenal organization right here in Cheyenne that works with suicide prevention and, and counseling. It's grace42brothers.com. If you need that website, I would encourage you, even if you're not thinking about suicide, it's a phenomenal website to go to. They have amazing uh, information and help on that website. So that's all I'm going to say about that. I hope that was for someone today. So back to my original confession. I've wanted to quit being a pastor on more than one occasion, even here at Element Church. Now, don't worry. I am not announcing my resignation today, or perhaps I should say, don't get your hopes up. Whatever side of the fence you're on, okay. I'm not announcing that I'm resigning today. I'm not feeling that way right now. Like, I'm good today. But on more than one occasion, I've wanted to quit being a pastor. Just, I wanted to throw in the towel, find another job, do something different, anything different with my life. I had just had enough. The first time I felt that way in ministry was the first church I was a youth pastor in. I loved the students that I led. I loved the pastor I worked for. I loved the church that I served in. But through a series of unfortunate events, I saw the worst side of the church world. Our pastor, who I viewed... Um, had done nothing wrong. Our denomination stepped in, our church denomination, and as the way I saw it, wrongfully removed him from his position as our pastor. Subsequently, our church went through a horribly ugly church split. Nasty things were said, ungodly things were done in the name of Jesus and his church, and I chose to stand with my pastor. And because of my stance with my pastor, that same denomination, stepped in and literally stripped me of all my credentials as a pastor. And here I was, this church I had given my life to up until that point. I was born and raised in this particular denomination. Basically told me, you are no longer fit to be a pastor in our denomination. I was devastated. I was demoralized. I did not know what to do. So I was, I was ready to call it quits. My wife and I talked. We were going to get out of ministry altogether, leave ministry. My parents were living in St. Louis at the time, so I thought, let's just move to St. Louis. We'll help my parents out. I'll get a job at White Castle or something, free food at least. At least I'll get free food, and now I'm hungry because I said that. But as my ministry world was literally spinning out of control, my grandpa, my mom's dad, called me. My grandpa is ordained in this same denomination that removed me. And he called me up, and I will never forget what he said. His words were like Daniel. His words strengthened me and helped me move on. My grandpa called me. He said, Jeff, the church did not ordain you. God ordained you, and that cannot be taken away by man. And I got up and moved on and went on to the next ministry that God had for us. The first time this happened here at Element Church was before our church even started. So God had, had very clearly called us to leave the church we loved in Gillette and move uh, to Cheyenne to start this brand new thing called Element Church. And we were here only a few weeks. In fact, this month is uh, 10 years. The 10 years ago this month, we moved here to Cheyenne. And a few weeks after we moved here, I just kind of fell into a depression. Uh, depression runs in the men of my family. I didn't know that at the time. But I fell into a depression and I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't know where to go. I, I literally remember sitting down thinking, what have I done? 
Like we had four kids, five and under at the time. So I'm thinking, we got four mouths to feed. My wife followed me all the way to the city that we barely knew anything about. I remember thinking, I can't start a church. It will never work. Who would come to a church that I'm a pastor at? Some of you are still wondering how that all worked out. So I told my wife, I told my wife, I said, honey, if we quit now, no one gets hurt. If we just quit now, it affects no one. Like, I can get a job, we'll figure it out, but nothing's been started. Let's just get out. Let's get out. I happened to have a phone call that day with my church planting coach. He talked me off the ledge, <laughs> gave me some next steps to take, till eventually we got to the start of Element Church. At one point in our ministry here at Element, I was so stressed out, so overwhelmed that I literally had a patch of hair missing from my beard. <laughs> like hair was falling out of my face. I was so overwhelmed. I was begging God for a way out, just begging him for a way out. As we walk through this message today, I'm going to share two more specific examples of facing this here at Element Church. And here's my fear of kind of even telling you all of this. This is cathartic for me, okay? Um, in some ways, it's cheaper than counseling, so that's helpful. <laughs> so let me, let me share with you my goal in all of this, or maybe I'll, I'll share with what my goal is not, okay? My goal of this confession is not to get sympathy from you. Oh, poor little Jeffrey couldn't handle being a pastor. You got it, big guy. It's not my goal. This is not time to compare war stories, okay? Like this is not, you're, you're gonna quit over that? Well, let me tell you about what I went through and we all start comparing how bad our life is. It's not what it, this is for. I'm also, my goal is also not to tell you all this so that out in the lobby tonight, you'll walk by and remind me how you know, great of a pastor I am, how thankful you are that I'm your pastor, how awesome I am. Although if you wanna tell me how awesome I am, I'll receive that, it's no big deal. <laughs> like I'm good today, I am. I'm in a good spot. I'm not going anywhere. You're stuck with me whether you want me or not, okay? So in fact, can I, you don't have to do that. Can I tell you my dream? Here's my dream. I literally pray this. I pray, God, if you would so choose, would you let me pastor this church until the day I retire? Like, I love this church. I love you as God's people in this church. I love the honor and privilege of being called your pastor and I would absolutely love it. I would love it to preach my very last sermon on this platform, hand off the baton of leadership to a young pastor that we have raised up who can take this church far beyond our wildest imagination and walk off the platform fully confident that I have done everything in my power to bring God glory and reach more people for him. That's my dream, church. It's my dream. So the reason, the reason I told you all that is I just want you to know that even as a pastor, there's days I just want to throw in the towel. I just want to do something different. That I get so overwhelmed and burdened, the thought of doing anything else is better than continuing what I'm doing. I've been there, okay? So what do you do when you get to that place in life? Because all of us are going to get there at some point. So what do you do when you want to throw in the towel? Well, here's where hopefully we, we kind of flip into some encouraging things because it's been super inspiring so far. 
Did you know that if you've ever questioned whether you should throw in the towel, you can say that you are like Jesus? That Jesus, at the very least, proposed the question, should I give up? That's encouraging to me. It leads to this big idea for today. It's on the screens if you want to write it down, and it's this. The desire to give up is not the problem. Actually doing it is. The desire to give up is natural. Choosing to give up and going following through with it, that's the problem. So if the problem is actually giving up, here's the question we got to answer. How do I keep from giving up? How do I keep from giving up when I get to that point in my life? John 12, 20 through 28 is the scripture we'll look at. Would love for you to follow along in your own Bible. It will all be on the screens except for one verse that was a late addition will not be on the screens. And as Andy said earlier, uh, if you don't own a Bible, man, we'd love to give you one. We'll, we'll keep on giving them away. It's the best investment we can make is putting God's word in your hand. So ask for one at guest services. If you don't own one, we'll get you one free of charge. John 12, it's a story about Jesus here. I'm going to read the whole thing, make a few comments along the way, and then we'll see three things that uh, I think will help us not give up. John 12, starting in verse 20. Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew, a disciple about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter his glory, which sounds awesome, right? Enter into glory. I want to enter into some glory. That sounds pretty good. But before you start thinking this is something appealing, let me remind us what that meant. It meant that before he would enter into glory, before he would take his seat on the throne of heaven again, he would be first arrested for a crime he did not commit, tried unfairly in the Jewish and Roman courts, stripped naked, abandoned by his closest friends, beaten beyond recognition, a crown of thorns thrust on his brow, nailed to a cross where he would suffocate to death. The sins of all mankind for all eternity were laid upon his soul. And because of our sins on him, the Bible tells us that God would turn his back on Jesus and Jesus would cry out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's what he went through before he entered into his glory. I tell you the truth, he said, unless a kernel of wheat's planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me now. Because of all that, my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? Should I pray I'm done? I give up? Throw in the towel? Later on, on the night when Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, he would pray, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death, he said. And he begged God three times, if there is any other way except for the way I'm about to face, I will take it, but not my will. Yours be done. And then he says this, should I pray, save me? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. 
Then a voice from heaven, then a voice spoke from heaven saying, I've already brought glory to my name and I will do so again. That's intense stuff, isn't it? Like when you read it from that perspective, the anguish that Christ was going through, he at least, at the very least, proposed the question, should I pray, get me out of here? Should I throw in the towel? Should I just give up all together? So what kept Jesus in the game? What kept him from giving up? Well, I think the very things that kept Jesus from giving up are the same things that can keep us from giving up. And there's three of them, okay? Now, there's more than three things that we could talk about that can help us from giving up, but these are three I see in this passage. The desire to give up is not the problem. Actually doing it is. So how do we keep from giving up? Here's the first thing I see in Jesus and for us as well. Know your purpose. You have to know your purpose. Jesus basically says, I know what's coming my way. I know the only thing that lies ahead is pain and suffering and death and sin. And because of that, my soul is deeply troubled. So should I pray, Father, get me out of here? No. The very reason I came is to die like a kernel of wheat planted in the ground so that a harvest of new life can be gained. Jesus knew his purpose. And you might say, well, that's easy for Jesus. He's Jesus, right? Okay, that's valid. So what about the guy named Paul? Acts chapter 20, there's this guy named Paul. I'll remind us, if you don't know, Paul was a missionary in Acts chapter 20, but he wasn't always a missionary. Started out as a murderer, hated Jesus, hated followers of Jesus. He was actually on a mission to murder every one of them. When Jesus stepped down into Paul's life and changed Paul, Paul put his faith in Jesus and he went from a murderer to a missionary. His purpose was to preach the gospel. And Paul, not Jesus, Paul, former murderer, said this in Acts chapter 20, verse 22 through 24. And now I am bound by the spirit. I'm called to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Then Paul goes on to write a letter that we now call 1 Corinthians. It's also in the New Testament portion of the Bible. So it's not on the screen or in the version notes as far as, as far as I'm aware. But Paul says, preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I'm compelled by God to preach. And then he said this, how terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. That's what I'm called to do. And that's that very thing, the call of God, is what has kept me from quitting multiple times in my life. Because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has called me, first of all, to be a pastor, and second of all, to be the pastor of this church until he chooses something different for me. That's what I'm called to do. And so when my difficult times come in conflict with my calling, my calling has to win every time. And so I want to be very careful here, okay? I, I'm trying to choose my words carefully in sharing this because I have never talked about this from the pulpit in the history of our church. And the reason I want to be careful is there's people, even here tonight, 
who this affected you, okay? So back in 2009, two years into Element Church's existence, we came up against the very first staff issue on our team. And it had come to my, through prayer, through counsel, it was clear that there was a member of our team who, if our church was to move forward to be all that I believed God had called us to be, this staff member could not continue in the position they were in. The problem is, that staff member was my closest friend who uprooted his family from Gillette, moved them down here to Cheyenne to help us start Element Church, and was heavily invested in many lives right here at Element. Now, I want to be clear, okay? and Everyone needs to know this. Element Church would not exist were it not for him and his family, okay? Second of all, there was nothing unethical or immoral that he did to warrant his removal. It was a leadership decision that I delayed for a long time because I did not want to damage our relationship. But it came to a point where I literally felt like God impressed this on my heart. Jeff, if you don't let him go, you'll be disobeying me. And so I made the decision one morning that that would be his last day full-time on our staff. So the day after we released this staff member, I was on my way over to his house to talk to him. And we had a, a vested relationship. As you can imagine, that decision caused massive amounts of pain and confusion, even for people who are still a part of our church. And not everybody saw the ins and outs of that decision. That's okay. It's part of leadership. But I was driving over to their house, literally done. I was done. It wasn't worth it to me. I, I felt like, God, if this is the cost of leadership, I don't want it. I don't want any part of it anymore. And so if you'll let me out, like, let me out. I'm on my way over right now. I'll call this whole thing off. Let me out. I was, I was devastated. It was the hardest de leadership decision, the hardest ministry day of my life. So as I was driving to their house, I called my wife up. She knew what I was going to do. She answered the phone by simply just saying, hey. And I, through my tears, asked my wife, tell me why I'm doing this again. And she said some words I will never forget. She said, because you're called, Jeff. Because you're called. It was those words, the calling of God, that kind of navigated me through the hardest season of ministry I've ever had in my life. Now, I know you might be saying, I don't know God's purpose for my life. I don't know what I'm called to do. So how do I know God's will for my life? And here's my challenge for all of us. Stop concerning yourself with God's will for your entire life and start living out his will for your every day. Because if you live out God's will for today, and then do that again tomorrow and the next day, and you extrapolate that out, guess what you have done when you die? You've lived God's will for your entire life by just living his will for today. Because guess what? You're not guaranteed tomorrow. <laughs> Neither am I. But I'm alive today. And so I want to live God's will for today. So what's God's will for today? Well, ironically, the Bible tells us. First Thessalonians Four, verse three says this, God's will is for you to be holy. That'll take some time, right? right? That'll take up a little bit of your time. First Thessalonians 5, 18, be thankful 
in some of your circumstances that you like. Right? No. Be thankful in what? All circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So start there. Start with just those two things. There's dozens of other verses I could give you that are God's will for you, but just start with those two. You'll have a couple years worth of progress to have, right? Like, like wake up tomorrow morning and say, God, today, in my words, in my thoughts, in my deeds, in my relationships, in every response, whether in good times or bad, my desire, God, is to be holy unto you. And in those moments where I fall short, help me confess quickly and get back on track with you. And God, I give thanks to you for everything in my life, whether good or or bad, for I know you have a purpose in this, whether I see it now or not. God, I'm yours. I trust you. Like start there. And somewhere in that, you'll discover God's will for your life. You'll discover a calling or a purpose that he has for you. Desiring to give up is not the problem. Actually doing it is. So how do we keep from giving up? Got to know your purpose. my, My prayer is that all of us would say, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. Number two is this, know your place. Got to know your place. I'm going to read again John 12, 25 and 26 says this, Jesus speaking, those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity, which by the way, does not mean you should take your own life. Okay. That's what it means. It means you give up control of your life to God. That's what that means. Because one of the reasons we want to give up, if we're honest, is we are holding on to our life in this world. And we think our life should be better than what we're going through now. And so I'll give up and look for something better. That's why we want to give up. We don't like the life we're living right now. This kind of ties into our whole contentment series we did last month, right? I I want something better than what I'm in right now. So I'll just throw in the towel, look for something new. Jesus says this, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me. And let me remind us where Jesus was going when he talked about this. He was going to the most difficult situation he could imagine. So if we want to follow him, we've got to go where he's going. See, sometimes I think we view our circumstances as God's sign of whether we should change, do something else, or give up. And we say, well, because my circumstance is so hard, God must want me to look for something new. But no, God might be leading you into a difficult circumstance to make you more like him. Because my servants must be where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. So four words we all need to learn. Four words we should all repeat on a daily, sometimes hourly, sometimes minute by minute basis. And when I tell you these four words, these are not for you to think about someone else. They're for you. Because we're brilliant as Christians at hearing a message, walking out and saying, I wish so-and-so would have heard that. No, I wish I would have heard that because it was for me. Right? So here's the four words. You ready for them? I'm not sure you're ready. Here they are. It's not about me. It's not about me. Do you realize 
How many church problems would be solved if we simply said, it's not about me? Can you imagine how many marriages would be restored if spouses would say, it's not about me? Can you imagine the politics that would change if we said, it's not about me? It changes everything. So back in June of 2014, a lot of you will remember this season we went through as a church. In the span of one week, one week, our executive pastor resigned, who I was very close to. Another high-level staff member also resigned. The same week, we closed our video campus in Wheatland, which was serving about 60 to 70 people on a weekly basis. And in closing that campus, it also meant that that full-time campus pastor and his wife and three kids were now out of a job. And I was, I was reeling. I, I felt like an absolute, utter failure as a pastor. And I threw the greatest pity party you've ever seen in life. <laughs> I remember telling God, are, are, you, are you even watching this? Are you sure you know what you're doing? I began to question, God, am I even the right guy for this job? Because it's, it's apparent I'm doing a horrible job leading this church. When all this happens in one week's time, God, if you'll let me out, I'm, I'm out. I'm done. This was two and a half years ago. In the middle of my pity party, I was out for a run one day, listened to a podcast. This was just a few days after this all happened. I couldn't tell you who was preaching on this podcast. I couldn't tell you the sermon. I don't even know how this fit into the sermon. But God used this one statement to change my life. The statement was this. Money is the currency of earth, but people are the currency of heaven. And God just spoke to my heart. I'm being real right now with you. And just pressed in and said, Jeff, right now, you are more concerned about how you look to the people than you are about the people themselves. Care for the people. And I confessed, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. Went back to our team and said, listen, I, I'm sorry. And here's what we're going to do. You guys remember, some of you remember this. We're not doing anything. God just said, press the pause button. Like no new plans, no dreams, no initiatives. Just wait for me to tell you what to do. And we did. For two and a half years as a church, we have not done anything new. We've, we've served the people and loved on our city. That's all we've done for two and a half years. But in that process, in that, that season of pause, God not only grew our church, we've grown by more than 20% in the last two and a half years. So it's kind of God's way of saying, told you so. <laughs> but in that season of pause, God, God opened our eyes and hearts to something greater than I could have ever dreamed of. Because in this process, he laid a burden on us for the state of Wyoming, okay? Not for Element Church to go and start all these different churches with our name on it, but to literally give money away to other existing churches in other cities in our state so they can go out and serve their city in a tangible way so that we can do something about the lost people in our state. Because if we don't do it, who will, right? And so we started this thing called I Heart Wyoming. Many of you sacrificially gave to this at the end of the year. We have $100,000 this year alone to give away to churches 
so they can serve their communities in tangible ways. You can go to iHeartWyoming.com right now, and there uh, I, would, I would even tell you, if you know other pastors in our state, share that with them, because on there is a form to fill out to request money that we will literally give them no strings attached to serve their community for Jesus. And listen, this blows me away. On Wednesday, okay, we have two churches that have applied for money already. On Wednesday, I had the privilege of sitting down with a pastor in Buffalo, Wyoming. And he had questions about iHeart Wyoming. And as you can imagine, when a church wants to give money away to another church, it's kind of alarming. And so he looked at me across the coffee table, because all good things happen over coffee, and he said, can I get an amen? He, he said, Jeff, what's in it for you? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, what does Element get? And I, don't, I won't tell you his name, so I'll use bro as his name. Bro, I said, bro. Uh, I was like, I know it sounds super churchy, but nothing. Like, we don't want anything. I said, we, we said, we really wanted to give you money and allow you to serve the city and you get the credit for it. And he's like, that's amazing. I was like, I know. <laughs> it's awesome. Now listen. I'm, I'm praying that he, he does become a part of iHeart Wyoming, but it doesn't matter whether he does because other churches will, but it's amazing because there are people that his church or other churches will serve that I probably will never even meet. But you can trace that impact all the way back to a moment where I wanted to give up. And because I didn't give up, God led us into a season as a church where we were listening. He spoke a vision into our hearts. And now, church, I believe we are on the doorstep of at least attempting something that has the potential to change the entire state. Amen. But it came from a moment where I wanted to quit. So here's, what, here's where I'm at, okay? This is what I've been challenged with. Perhaps, perhaps God's allowing you to go through what you're going through so that people who aren't even born yet can be impacted by Jesus. Woo! Like I'm being super challenged to try and to think generationally. I'm trying to think generationally. So one of my new prayers for us is this, God, may we live and lead in such a way as a church that our grandchildren's grandchildren have a place to call home here at Element. Because friends, if we are only thinking about this life right now, we're thinking too small because our God is a generational God. And he's pouring out visions and plans and purposes on people today that will affect 5, 10, 15 generations if he waits that long to come back. It's amazing to me. It's amazing. So the desire to give up is not the problem. Actually doing it is. So how do we keep from, from giving up? Got to know your purpose. Got to know your place. It's not about me. Number three, got to know your praise. Know your praise. Jesus said, should I pray? Father, save me. I'm not sure I can face this. I don't know if I can go through the pain. But, but no, this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. That I know my purpose is to die. I know my place, God. It's not about me. 
And I know my praise that God, if not giving up, will bring you glory, then I'm in. I'm in. There's a verse that's been wrecking me lately. I've been reading it now for weeks. Romans 11:36 says this, for everything comes from him, God, and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever, amen. You know what that means? Everything comes from God. That's me. And everything exists only by his power. That means if he wants me to take another breath, he's the one that gives it to me. And if he says it's your time to go, then it's my time to go no matter what I do or how much I cut out bacon from my diet, which I will not do. (laughs) And everything's intended for his glory, which is me. I exist By him, I'm intended for his glory. So God, if not giving up will bring you glory, I'm in. I'm in. And I hope you will be as well. I wish sometimes I could go back to that pre-element Jeff, sobbing in his recliner, wondering if he made a mistake, telling his wife, if we quit now, no one gets hurt. I wish I could go back to that Jeff and show him pictures of the hundreds of people who've been baptized at Element Church and say, listen, people will be affected if you give up. (laughs) They will. So hang in there. Hang in there. Because you never know what God can do when you just take one more step. I love you guys. Thanks for letting me be real with you today and share this. I hope that's been an encouragement to somebody. It's been good for me. As I said, it's cheaper than counseling. Let me pray for you. And then Pastor Andrew's got some closing words. Remain in your seats if you would. God, just thanks so much for choosing me. That you've got a purpose for all of us. You've got a place for us in your kingdom. And Lord, we want to give you praise. So help us do that, God. Help us walk with you today, tomorrow every day through eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.